You take an ancient dinosaur gut and some toxic waste. You get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes, and a mic. You get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla, King of the Casters with NBN Brandon, and Jasper, who's a dog. I must not podcast. Podcast is the mind killer. Podcast is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my podcast. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the podcast has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. I mean, I, I, I was asking you if you wanted McDonald's or not, but I guess that works too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are doing a special episode, folks, uh, that really has not much to do with our show's concept. No, it's a bonus episode. Yeah, uh, because we saw Dune, and we really fucking loved Dune, I think it's fair to say for both of us. I think it's the best movie I've seen this year. It is really fucking amazing. Like, oh my goodness. So, yeah, we just saw Dune. And, or I guess the full name is Dune Part 1, but, um... It's because they're cowards and they don't want to name Part 2 Tune. Tune of Dune, baby. (laughs) Tune of Dune. So, we are here with the podcast of Dune, uh, and... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, usually we talk about kaiju movies, and there is some kaiju in this movie with some prominence, but... Uh, it's a little off theme, so we're doing this as a little bonus episode we're going to drop as soon as we're done editing it, so yeah. coming up real soon here. So, um, yeah, I think my overall thoughts are, did, I think this is the best movie we've seen this year. I've seen some good movies, I'm not but not many. Sh- I, I need to let Cell in. It's up there. I'm not sure if it supersedes a net for me yet, uh, but... It does for me. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. You're not a weird little film pervert. <laughs> I just watched a large man float out of goo, Nolan. <laughs> There's got to be a little bit in there. <laughs> Annette does not have Duncan Idaho in it. However, that being said, I do think since baby Annette is in need of a parent now, Duncan Idaho should adopt her. <laughs> I guess my opening thoughts are going to be... Oh, uh, are we doing um, spoilers? Okay, I think the first... Let's say for the first part, we won't. And then we'll do spoilers in the second part. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, because, you know, it just came out. You may not have seen it yet. So we'll let you know when we start talking about spoilers. Yeah. So I want to say that to start out with is that I start... I know next to nothing about Doom. I know there's worms. I know that it's a desert. And I know there's spice that the people like. Yeah. The spice must flow. Yeah, we were discussing, like, we knew a couple of, like, through pop culture, a couple of quotes. Just, like, the spice must flow, uh, fear is the mind killer, uh, and we knew that sandworms existed. uh, And I knew there was a character named Duncan Idaho. (laughs) More than me, yes. And Duncan Idaho, (laughs) uh, he's worth the hype. I love Duncan Idaho a lot. <laughs> yeah, but like this pre, you know, this discussion about where our relationship is in the series so far is important because like there's certain reviews out there that are like, oh, you know, this is for Dune fans. 
if you don't know about Dune, you won't enjoy it that much. But like, that, I know that's fucking, bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Is like, I know next to nothing about Dune, and I was fucking captivated by this movie. Yeah, it's that is yeah. We I saw some bad Twitter take. Like, I saw like a tweet from I don't remember who it was, but he was verified and like a like a respected film critic. And he said, the problem with Dune being a part one is that it doesn't get interesting until the end. And then it ends and it, without any resolution. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, even if, even if we are to assume that, even if we're going to assume that, like, he, that this guy was only interested in like fucking heart pounding action, like there's a good amount. Yeah, like we get a we get the great like we get the sandworm rescue like forty minutes in. Yeah, it's like pretty, and there's some really interesting like visuals and like ideas brought up because I heard that the first part of this film was very exposition heavy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it does it in a good way. It feels very natural, I think. It's, yeah, like I'm, I was not bored yeah. during that sequence. I was like, okay, you know, yeah. we got this big sci-fi world. Okay, what is it? Okay, they have these shields that vibrate. Okay. Yeah. They have these vibrating shields. Okay, that's interesting. And because of that, they use swords because guns don't do shit against that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but... However, this film accomplished like its theme, like its tone, and how it all blended together. But like, I was never taken out of the whole film. And there's stuff that should look ridiculous in here. Yeah, there's like people like, like I said, giant floating man. Yeah, the antagonist is a fat man who can float into the sky. But it should. It's not like fly. Float like a balloon. Yeah, like a balloon. From, like, his magic powder or something. And, like, that sounds fucking ridiculous, but, like, it's fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, however they accomplished the mixing together of the the music and, like, the visuals and stuff, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's deeply unsettling. They made me like the bagpipes. Yeah. This is something... So, like... One of the houses, House Atreides, uh, which is the main character's house, they seem very Scottish-inspired. Their home planet looks a lot like Scotland. Uh, yeah. And they're culturally, they are... Producer Jasper is uh, <laughs> coughing. Uh, he, he had a little too much spice. Uh, but, uh, the spice so, just low. <laughs> but yeah, so it like... A big cultural thing is they are announced instead of like a bugle or something by bagpipes. And then later in the movie, we get this fucking amazing battle scene. And the score is intimidating bagpipes. It works. It works so well. It's such a weird film to discuss in that way. Because if someone hasn't seen it, they're like, really? And it's like, no, like, if you experience this film, it's like... You just buy it. Like, yeah. however the fuck they managed it. Because I feel like in this kind of film, if I wasn't into it by, like, the hour mark, you know, it's like, these things are, like, would further lose you. Yeah. 
But, like, if you're on the train, like, if you get on it fairly quick, <laughs> you're going to have a fucking hell of a ride. Yeah. Like, by the... Oh, my goodness. The visuals are so... Oh, the, I would I would describe overall, like... I think at the first ten minutes I said, I fucking love the um, design of this movie. Yeah. Like, it's so interesting because it's, like, low-tech sci-fi and extremely advanced sci-fi mashed together. Like, how do I describe it? I feel like any visual decision in this film, whether it's what do they shoot at, you know, what does the bad guy shoot at the good guys, or how do they get through the shields, or even things like how do you close a door? It's like they never went with the most easy, lame option. They never went with, oh, it's space, you know, uh, to close a door, you just like, you hit a button and it goes and closes, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, it's like this gothic like three part black like sections yeah and the guards have to like push them closed it's <laughs> so oh my goodness like moments and i little things like that really add so much for me yeah and questions that the film raises about the world but like in an interesting way like duncan idaho like <laughs> idaho exists so like this is our future. This isn't like Star Wars where it's just a separate universe altogether. Idaho is a part of the history and culture. In the end, only Idaho survives. <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Oh my goodness. The, the United Idahos of America is where we're <laughs> heading. Only Idaho. But like... I would highly recommend... Only Idaho sounds like a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> like, oh, there's gonna be, like, a... Like, the cover is, like, a sexy farmer and, like, <laughs> a rival farmer's daughter and they're, like, embracing... It's a potato Only, field. comma, Idaho. Is... It's a potato field. <laughs> potato plant sprouting. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, like... <laughs> overall, though, um... I'd, I'd fucking say we highly recommend this movie. Yeah, I like, definitely recommend Dune. Like, it's on HBO Max, so if you got a subscription, watch it. Uh, I would def Like, we're saving up so we didn't go see this in IMAX. I would say it's probably... It's definitely... It would be worth the IMAX admission price. The sound design of this movie, because thankfully, you know, I got a good, we got a good setup here. I got, like, surround sound, yeah. and it already sounded great. I could not imagine in IMAX theater how the voice sounds. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. God. Like, it's a gorgeous movie, too. Mm -hmm. Like, my God. Like, it's a gorgeous movie. All the stuff. Uh, please go support this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. we need a part two. <laughs> we need to see two, at least. <laughs> we need... They need to yeah. get at least number two out. Hopefully... Let's go all the way to God Emperor. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I feel like it's one of the things where, you know, this is this is a separate kind of thing from, like, you know, your Marvel and stuff. And it's like, if you want to see more movies like this, you need to support it. So it's like... Oh, yeah. Marvel fans in shambles watching this, like, what? No quip? <laughs> Why no quip? Okay. Idaho has a couple quips. Idaho does have a couple <laughs> quips. But, like, it's not... Like, there isn't a moment where Paul, 
there isn't a moment where after the sandworm almost eats Paul, he like turns to his mom and he's like, well, that was a close one. <laughs> Whoops. Well, that just happened. <laughs> Ta-da. Whoopsie. Um, I'll take the next one, thanks. <laughs> and then Blair's like a, a song from the 70s or something <laughs> for the next scene. So, yeah, overall, please go see this movie. It's fucking excellent. Uh... So that yeah. being said, I think we can start going uh, full spoilers on it. Wait, I've got one more joke. Okay, okay, all right. You know, I'm really happy that even though he he might have fit, like Robert Downey Jr. could have been. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? So my they could have cast Duke Leto as George Dooney also. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, the cast of this movie's really good too. My god, it's got some great performances in it and stuff. And just like I said, they never it seemed like they never took the easier option in terms of how to like the visuals or the effects on anything. So like uh, fashion designer Jean Versace was uh, assassinated by Andrew Dunan. <laughs> That's the final one. Right. Once I go into famous serial killers, I'm done with the bit. Good, good. It's where it always ends up. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to spoilers. All right, yeah, spoilers still. Spoiler time. So, um, this is only the first half of the story. Yeah. And... It made me want more, for it, sure. Yeah, I like. I am right now debating whether or not on my way home from this recording session, if I'm going to stop by the bookstore and just buy Dune. I think I'm going to. Okay, yeah. So we're going to read Dune. See, see, the real endurance test is see how many books in the Dune series you can get through. Like, how far are we going, Brent? Well, you said at some point there's a massive clone army of Idaho's. Is that that is that the natural drop off? Point? That's where we plant the flag <laughs> on that line. I we're I done. just straight up don't believe people have read past that Dune book. <laughs> I just think they're being pumped out so whatever company can keep the IP. <laughs> and then, but it's what if what if every book is just incredible? Like everyone is a banger. It's just not many people read them. Well, I guess we're gonna find out. <laughs> but yeah, I feel, I don't know if I'm gonna keep reading after the first one, but like. I gotta know how this is gonna go because I feel like... And we can't wait three years for the next one. No. I feel like it's gonna start like a big... I feel like this the main character is gonna start a fucking like religious zealot war with yeah. like all the people who are like the blue-eyed folks, the desert people. I do know in the book I think they're called jihads, so... Are they? I think they're probably not gonna bring that over to the... Uh, no! To the I'm pretty sure they won't because what was surprising is a lot of the themes... This was before the Soviets invaded Afghanistan. 65, so I I think... That was the 70s. Yeah. I, well, I'm surprised by it, because I honestly thought when watching this... That, like, <laughs> what? what? 
Oh, you were talking about when the Soviets invaded them. In yeah, the, Afghanistan. I thought I said the book came out in 65, and you were like, yeah, that was the 70s. No, no. <laughs> no, I meant the, the book had preceded <laughs> that conflict, because I thought that that... I was surprised, because I thought that that was an inspiration for the book about certain things. Because, you know, that's a pretty strong theme of, like, you know, comparison between... You know, like, the spice is oil or yeah. something. And, like, it's this big thing. But I feel like that's, you know, that's not specifically a story. But as you said, there's, like, lots and lots of imagery involving yeah. that. Yeah, like, I've been to a couple of uh, places of worship for Islam. And uh, they, they definitely were borrowing imagery from, like, like the, he, Paul has a vision where his mom is cradling the baby she's currently pregnant with in a uh, little dome thing. Yeah, and that just looked like the front wall of a of a Muslim house of worship. Yeah, I feel like with the with the environment, I think they would just really, yeah. you know, use those elements. Like, with uh, the design of, like, all the people wearing, like, hoods and, like, yeah. things to, like, protect them from the sun and everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know how hot I must get on Dune, but I must get really fucking hot. Uh, it's like, Arrakis is the name of the planet, right? I guess? Yeah, Arrakis is the name of the... We're gonna probably just refer to it as Dune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, the ending of this movie makes me, like really excited for more of it because i thought we we're gonna see the emperor in this yeah i thought we were too but we didn't but i'm excited to see who the what the deal with the god emperor is uh but, yeah i don't know i got some weird theories about what that guy could be knowing maybe, nothing about maybe it. it's gonna be a star wars trilogy type of thing where he's meant the emperor is mentioned in in the first one oh does not show up we see glimpses of him in the second and then He's a presence in the third. Cause oh, isn't the third called Emperor of Dune? So it's... Th what I've heard about the idea behind uh, adapting this is that it would be two parts for Dune, then one movie for the much shorter Dune Messiah. Yeah. And I th and I think he'll show up in Dune Messiah. Okay, uh, dang. Well, there's some really... I think the way they handle the, th the visions in this movie are interesting. Yeah. Like, they don't quite line up with what they show. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, he seems like, you know, Idaho hanging out in the rocks. And then he'll walk there later and he, like, he notices the rocks. But, you know, yeah. he's not there at that exact moment. But I think the implication of that was that was from Idaho's time when he was amongst the Freemen uh, when he was yeah. scouting beforehand. Yeah. yeah. What I'm saying, though, is that I think it's yeah. like, I guess his visions, you know, they don't have to involve him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, they don't have to have him, like, in this in his vision to, sh you know, prophesize it later. Duncan! No. Duncan, yeah, he has a pretty... He has a great death, though. Like, they fake him out, and it's like, do you think he's dead already? But he comes back and keeps fighting for a bit. Yeah. It's great. But, like, my favorite part of the... I think my favorite part of the movie has to be the fight. Like, the battle. Oh, it's so fucking... Yeah. The way that... I, I talked to you about this during it, but, like, they're dropping bombs on the buildings, and, like, the bombs get through the force fields and then explode the building. But for a second before the force field dissipates, 
The explosion takes the shape of the building perfectly. Yeah. It's like a like a shield buster weapon. Yeah. Like it tunnels through the shield. It goes so, oh, the visuals of the movie are so fucking good. And then like, uh, all of the... We should probably talk about the the sandworm, which is the most kaiju-y thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is that is why we discussed maybe we could justify this episode. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's... The sandworm, we don't get a... We, is really teased out to us. Oh, we get it. Uh, so, I think we see it three separate times. Yeah, so we're told about the sandworm first, and then we get to see like this kind of base relief uh, sculpture in the palace walls of a sandworm, and yeah. it's fucking massive. It's like, oh, Jesus. And then we get our first action scene of the movie about 40 minutes in is they're going to check on a spice collecting truck, uh, and... Interestingly enough, I th- before this I knew spice was a thing. I thought yeah. it was like they had to dig for it. It's just on the it's yeah, just it's on in the sand. the sand. They got sifted out, and so they're going to the spice collecting truck. And the way it works is that they the trucks go until a sandworm starts coming for them, and then there's a uh, a plane like a an airship that's job is to connect to it and lift it up. Before it gets eaten. Like, yeah. right before. They said, like, to the last moment we're collecting that spice. Yeah, and then... So, they're viewing... So, they're viewing how uh, these work, and... Uh, Paul and his dad, Lido, are on their uh, personal planes, which are, like... They're helicopters that are shaped like dragonflies. Yeah, it's so cool. And, yeah, it's like, and... <laughs> the airship fails. So, they have to go down there... As this giant, like, sand is being fucking kicked up, like, Bugs Bunny tunneling under the ground. Yeah. And the whole and, thing they bring up is that sandworms are attracted by rhythms. Yeah. Where it's, like, people walking or, like, the sifter shit sifting through. Mm-hmm. That's what attracts the worms. Yeah. Is that, like, you know, like, the constant beat of something or rhythm. Yeah. And so they... But, yeah, they... So the sandworm's coming, and they're getting... They're getting dudes into the ships, and they just barely make it out. And we see it's so much bigger than I was expecting. It's fucking, it's like we see this. Is massive, it one of the biggest kaiju's we've seen? We've talked about. I think so. It's because like the the sifting truck is massive. Yeah, it's huge. It's like probably the size of like a cup, like a house or two. Maybe bigger. Maybe maybe more the build bigger to like a like apartment complex building. Yeah. Kind of so thing. that seems more accurate. So it's like the size of an apartment complex. Twenty one people work in it, and they, and so they, you just see, like, it sinking into the sand. Yeah, and we then, think that. Yeah. I thought that it was just gonna sink into the sand. You don't see the worm. But then, but then we realized that sand, I thought it was in a crater. Yeah, the sand keeps sifting out. And you realize there are, like, teeth all around. And this giant... It's the sandworm's mouth coming up around it. And it is it's fucking huge. Yeah, it probably could, like, swallow five of those things easily. It could... It could like take in, out like a, a few Okja's, I'm just yeah, saying. It, like, in a, it, like, its diameter of its mouth could hold five of those things at once, basically. Yeah, probably. and... And so that's our first, that's our first actual image of a sandworm. Then we get a similar shot like that, uh, later when, uh, 
the Harkonnens are coming to try and kill Paul and his mom. Uh, but what? But they're. Uh, but the uh, the head of the spice sifting, the farmer lady. Oh yeah. She uh. She saves them by she draws a sandworm to, to the uh, Harkonnen troops. And she just, she and they get swallowed in a similar way where you just see the sinking into the sand yeah. and the teeth coming out. What I was disappointed by is that she was going to ride that thing. Yeah, she was getting ready to ride it. Like, oh. There's such this cool tool she uses where it's like a little, like, like imagine like a metronome, but it's hitting the ground mm-hmm. to like attract the worm to their position. It's like boom, 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 boom. Because she was trying to, and she pulls out these fucking like hooks. Mm-hmm. And she was gonna fucking ride that thing before they stabbed her. And like, interesting thing is that you know, with the moisture suits, like it's not blood coming out; it's water. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. But yeah. Then so that happens. We see Paul and his oh, mom. Oh, um, oh, sorry. The last thing about that scene. So when the metronome breaks, because like the soldiers are attacking, the metronome breaks. She starts pumping her fist into the ground in rhythm. Yeah. And that brings it all the way back over. And I'm like, oh yes, yeah. that's then, great, great scene. But yeah, so then we get a. I think this episode's gonna be longer than our King Ghidorah episode. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but so, so yeah. Uh, then we see. Uh, we, so then we see. Uh, the next time is Paul and his mom. They crash one of those. Uh, one of the uh, the dragonfly helicopters. Uh, in their escape, and they're trying to get to one of the the Sikhs. Is that the name of the cities, the underground cities? I think. Yeah, the Sikh, and they... So, they're running for it, and a sandworm's coming up behind them, and they just barely make it to the rocks, and the sandworm comes up, and we finally get to see one of these things above the ground, and it's... It's fucking crazy. and we see inside of its mouth, and it's just like a bunch of closing esophagi. Yeah. Like, and... It's massive, it's like, um... It's heavily, it's like armor plated. Yeah. It's like, you know, bone plated with like really like a dark, like gray color to it. And it's just looking at him. And it, this is a smaller one. Yeah. Like this wasn't as big as the one that swallowed the fucking, the spice thing earlier. Yeah. But it's still fucking huge. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, those are our main ones. But then one of the last shots of the movie as Paul and his mom are going off with the Fremen, mm. we finally see someone riding a sandworm. Yeah. They just go by and Paul looks and he's in amazement. Uh, and someone's just hooks on, standing up, riding a sandworm through the desert. It's fucking awesome. Oh, it's so good. And yes. And then, so- well, my favorite scene. So my, I think my favorite overall is the battle scene. It's yeah, it's great. One of my favorite moments is the spit scene. <laughs> oh yeah, where the king, like you know, the leader of uh, like this, the the people in the sand. Yeah, of the Fremen. The Fremen, yeah. Which that's just Freeman, right? Like that's Freeman. Yeah, it's very clear. Yeah. But... So the Fremen, the leader of the Fremen. So uh, Idaho brings the leader of the Fremen to the new boss guy to like talk to him. Yeah. About like you know how they could maybe collaborate with each other and stuff. And the guy walks in, and he's like, at the start, he's like, listen, you know, the uh, Oscar Isaac character, that guy, was like, listen, dude, like, you know, if you, if you trust me, if you know, if you give honor to me, I'll give honor to you, right? And then the guy immediately spits on the ground. 
And, like, the guards are ready to, like, kill him for Yeah, this. they're like, you fucking, yeah, how dare you. But, yeah. and, but then, <laughs> Duncan Idaho just goes, we thank you for your moisture. <laughs> <laughs> and we learn, and we learn, that's just, a, spitting is a sign of respect for them, because water is in such short supply here. Yeah. So then Oscar Isaac spits back <laughs> as, like, a thank you. <laughs> It's a great moment. It, it is. One of the few laughs in the movie, but yeah. it's a really strong one. It is. Yeah. Like, because that's the thing. I think the movie's tone was very like, okay, we need to take all this seriously. Yeah. Because if we, if we like make a joke about one of these things, it all comes tumbling down. Yeah. Because like if the guy comes out of the goo and he's like, oh, he's looking, you know, not too great or something. Yeah. You can't, you can never joke about how silly some of the stuff is. Yeah. Which is why any of Duncan Idaho's quips are character based between people. Yes. Because I, I, I think, yeah, like within the film's world of it, if they started poking at it, like everything kind of falls. Yeah, like like we can out of the out of the context of the movie. Yeah, like this is gonna be lots of great meme material. <laughs> like I think Duncan Idaho's only actual quip is like he like the muscle one. Yeah, the muscle one. So early yeah. on, first scene he has, uh, he Paul's begging him to get to uh, let him go on the mission with him because he's worried about Duncan. And Duncan like pats him on the shoulder. And he's like, "Hey, you've grown some muscle." And Paul asks, "Really?" No. <laughs> yeah. The the closest I felt to it being the Quippy show. And it's fairly early on, and I'm like, please don't do this too many times. It's funny this time. Yeah. But I don't want the whole rest of the film to do this. And they don't. I think it, Marvel has so shaped the blockbuster to be something that has to be full of quips that, like, uh. if any if any movie makes a joke... Which isn't unnormal for even serious movies to do. All of a sudden, you're on, you're like on guard, like, oh no, oh don't, <laughs> no, 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 no. The emperor comes in. What's up, dude? Like, ah. get in my belly. Ah. You belong in my belly. <laughs> god no. Mike Myers is the god emperor of. <laughs> Fuck no. God damn it, that'd be terrible. Like. Like I said, I don't know. I I don't know if this film would work in the context of I'm just going to throw this on while I look at my phone. I, I think don't... It, I think it works in that way that like I think it works on a similar level to how other people feel about Lord of the Rings. Oh. Like for okay. me like you know me. You know I don't really care for Lord of the Rings that much. Like I don't think they're bad movies. But they're movies that just roll off my back. Uh, hmm. And, but this, I was like, oh, this must be what people feel when they feel, when they watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and they're like really into it. Yeah, we're like, it's a per, it, similar to like, people will take like a Sunday morning, let's just watch it, the extended edition of Fellowship. This is a seminal connected experience. Yeah. Where you were constantly invested about everything going on. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I Yeah, I, I like Lord of the Rings trilogy really a lot. But I've only seen it once. And not the extended ones. I think at some point I'll do that. But I really... Particularly with this film coming out, I see the more Lord of the Ringsy comparisons with Dune. 
But I know that the books when, themselves are farther off. If you've that. never watched the extended Lord of the Rings films, you don't know how Poo Poo Magoo Poo dies. <laughs> Damn, I lost everything. You haven't had the brec- the famous breakfast scene with Chungus Mibungus. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When Merry and Pippin, lost in the woods, happen upon Chungus McBungus <laughs> and, have, and have their breakfast. Oh my goodness. It, and the thing is, you're pretty sure I'm making it up, but you're not 100% sure. There's a little bit of doubt. There's a scene. <laughs> see the doubt there. But I'll say that, uh, just like in Lord of the Rings, this film's score fucking slaps. It is so good. It's a gr- like with like the 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 fucking bagpipes and shit. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of themes of like how to describe it sci-fi mixed with a lot of religious imagery and themes. Yeah, like that's a big thing about this movie. Well, yeah, book two of the series is called Dune Messiah. Yeah, it's it's a very this is a series very interested in religion. Okay. Yeah, and I feel like everything connects into that, like the visuals of the film. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, like how do I describe it? It doesn't feel like a Star Trek or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not clean, yeah. generic sci-fi. It's, like, it's really inspired sci-fi with, like, everything, like, of visuals and stuff. Oh, God, you're going to get the Trekkies after us. In, no, the no, same like way that I, in the same way that I've got Levi stands. <laughs> well... Well, this will probably come out before people know my take This is coming out, like, probably the same day. <laughs> like, but, yeah. Same day as the first Attack on Titan episode? or same before days? that. I was going to probably just edit this and yeah. pull it up, like, yes, we, today. So, people don't know yet that I hate Levi. Well, people will now. <laughs> Get ready, yeah. Levi stands. Well, I, I like Star Trek, but I think for the kind of message this film is talking about, it would detriment it. Yeah, it definitely would. Yeah, and I, I like. I think Star Trek is like a very. I love fun worlds show. that feel more lived in, like like Star mm. Wars had that lived in aesthetic. Dune has a very lived in aesthetic. Mm. Yeah. So overall, Dune's a great time, and I really want to read the book now. Yeah, I give it a five Dunes out of Dune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. Right now, the film is like an 84 on Rotten Tomatoes-ish or something. That feels low. That does. But I, I do feel like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is also coming that would give, like, a generic Marvel movie, like, 100. Yeah, it's just... So, like, I f- here's the thing. I think it might be something where, you know, if the movie loses you, like I said, it's going to stay losing you, and you would be like, ah, whatever. But, like, if you connect with it, you connect with it so much harder than a lot of the movies. But the thing is that, like, it's not like a net where I can understand how people <laughs> wouldn't be into it. Dune is like, I, I legitimately can't imagine someone who's just like, eh, Dune. <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess it would depend on what you're used to as what you're watching stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Dune is a great movie yeah. and fingers crossed on that part too. Yeah. But I'm going to read the book first. So I know what's going to happen. I hope the emperor. Sh- I hope the emperor makes an appearance. But yeah, if you're a fan of Dune, you may be like, "Listen here." <laughs> yeah. So we are sorry if we have greatly misinterpreted what's going to happen in the story, but we are excited about it and we're glad to be a part of it now. Yeah. So that was a fun little bonus episode here. I uh, hope you enjoyed this little side thing. This is not going to be a common occurrence. We just were like, watch Dune this morning. And we're like, we got to talk about this. Yeah. So.
We'll see you next time on... I mean, our next episode's going to be more the Gargantuans. Yeah. Our actual one on Friday. So. Shit, yeah. You've there just given go. yourself a deadline, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> see you next time, baby. See you then. <laughs>